Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through candid conversations about cyber issues. Sponsored by Agency, with your host, Kath Nibbs. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week, you're joined by me. Um, Unfortunately, the podcast guest this week um, had a family emergency, so I was going to leave it that I didn't actually record anything. And then yesterday, I had uh, the utter privilege, I'm, I'm still reeling from this, I went down to London and I spent some time uh, in the company and presence of um, somebody called Jim Quick. So for those of you who have been paying attention in the uh, podcasts, I've talked about Jim Quick in terms of um, passwords and how we can remember stuff. Um, and also I, got to te- um, I also got to go down and, and have a picture taken with him in uh, my brain t-shirt, which is on my social media profiles. Um, I was absolutely stoked to, to take, I mean, I, I got bought this present um, a couple of years ago. And it was just so fun to actually be able to just stick a t-shirt in my bag and go down and, and wear it. And to have a photograph with Jim Quick. So I'm, I'm not a person who does selfies in terms of with, with many of the people that I've had the, the privilege to meet at lots and lots of conferences, particularly at, um, so I did about nine, eight, nine days last year at a biodynamic uh, com- conference, uh, which I, I met lots and lots of people. So I've talked about HeartMath on some of my podcasts and I got to meet uh, Rolly McCarty, who was the person who developed that. I've had time with uh, Gabor Mate, with Stephen Porges, and obviously I talk about the polyvagal theory quite a lot, and it's, it's his theory. Um, I've spent time with Bessel van der Kolk, uh, one of my other hero- heroes, Louis Cosolino, and, and I could go on and on and on. But yesterday was, was something that I thought, actually, I'm going to do something different today. So as I've come back up today, um, well, actually, as I've come back up from London and through to Manchester and back today, I, I've been doing a little bit of musing and I was really, really struck by Jim Quick. Not yesterday. It was actually something that happened yesterday that made me, that made me, that was a therapy thing to say, wasn't it? That made me, I actually recognised one of the reasons I'm struck by Jim Quick's story so, um, so viscerally is because he's talking about something that happened to him as a child. So not only is he talking about the fact that he had an accident and um, had a brain injury, which is trauma in itself, and obviously I do work with trauma and that is my, um, my specialist subject, um, it was what was said to him. So what I want to try and do is just do a little bit about why I do this podcast, but do it from a positivity frame, frame of reference rather than... The, the doom and gloom, which sometimes it can sometimes feel like that I'm doing that on this podcast. So what I wanted to do was kind of say, why, well, this is why I'm a therapist, why I'm a therapist and why I do what I do, but also why I'm doing cyber synapse. Um, so right, right at the end of Jim Quick's speech yesterday, he was talking about we grow old because we, we forget how to play and we don't play. And... That's actually what I do as a job. I get to play day in, day out. And that, that's um, part and partial of my um, therapy practice. But it's also something that I do personally. So 
I have um, a really kind of positive outlook on life and I absolutely enjoy going into something that's called my child ego state in one of the, one of the teachings uh, of transactional analysis. And I thought, actually, one of the things that I thought I might do is just talk to you a little bit about how children get themselves into what Jim Quick calls limiting beliefs and how I get to do the fantastic work that I do with children and by fantastic work that I do I don't mean that from a narcissistic perspective so yeah I work in this realm this paradigm of trauma and obviously my um, my book is cyber trauma I work with trauma and I call it corporeal and virtual and how they overlap so that's in real life and virtual and I pretty much do not live in the Disney world in terms of I recognize what can and does happen to people, so to children and then to adults or to children who then become those adults who, who get stuck with some of these messages. Um, so sometimes when I'm doing cyber synapse, I, I forget. Yeah, I, I, I suspect it's I forget that because I live in this world that I can talk about it with um, one step removed. Um, and whilst being in the therapy room with the clients, I'm never one step step removed. I'm always one step in their trauma with them, but always one step in my own ego state. Um, that there's something about this podcast probably feels a little bit um, negative in terms of the, the conversations that I do have. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about how I do the other side of it, why I do what I do, and, and to heal it. So my job is playing and recovery with children uh, and those children can be the child that's in the adult it can also be the child that's actually physically in the room and I'm going to talk about what what Jim Quick talked about yesterday was the the limiting beliefs so he was giving this given this limiting belief by another adult who said that he was the boy with the broken brain and that became his narrative that became something that he told himself was his limit so I can't do this because and that's pretty much what I hear week upon week upon week from some of these children so I'm going to talk that I, I work with three and four year olds um, I'm aware that the podcast is uh, international so rather than trying to do grades and school years which confuses me as it is um, I just thought I'd talk about ages so I, I've been working with maybe three and four year olds and they've they've attempted to do something in the room and they've said well, I, I can't do that Kath I, I'm rubbish at that Kath um, for example colouring in or something I can't do that Kath I'm rubbish at that I, it's and I will ask where where have you heard this who's told you this where does this information come from um, very often it's parents or teachers so what I mean by that is sometimes as parents, we're not perfect. No, not sometimes. Most of the time as parents, we're not perfect, myself included. And we make statements to our children without recognizing the impact that it has. Um, in transactional analysis, these are called injunctions. So they are messages that we are given that we almost swallow whole and they become who we are. Now, the thing about these injunctions is they don't have to be verbal. They can be the tut, the look, 
the one that says, uh, or, or where, for example, um, I was actually working with a child once who was trying to wrap a present and he was finding it really, really difficult. He was about eight or nine and, and um, with his hands technically could have been able to, to wrap this present. But what was happening was he was getting frustrated. And through the, through the therapy process, we were talking about why this was so difficult to do. And he said, well, when I can't fold it properly, so these are his, when I can't fold it properly, mummy snatches it and does it herself. So there wasn't a single word spoken to this child. He couldn't do it properly. Mum would literally take the, the parcel and would wrap it. And he, he almost interpreted, I'm no good. I can't do it properly. Mum does it properly. I can't. And one of the things that children tend to do is they then, they then foresee how they then see themselves in the world on this continuum that um, we might call life positions or frame of reference or script so there's lots of ways to describe it um, and I quite like um, a piece of theory that talks about the okay corral and this is what we call um, I'm okay you're okay or the other positions are I'm okay you're not okay or I'm not okay you're okay and the last one is I'm not okay and you're not okay and actually, I was listening yesterday to conversations that were happening and I was watching pe people's behaviour while Jim Quick was talking and I thought this is really fascinating. These limiting beliefs are, are part and partial of who we are as adults until we address or we become aware of what those limiting beliefs actually are. So the, the very first step, in addressing these limiting beliefs is you have to become aware of what they are. So there's, there's something around um, what do you say to yourself most often? What do other people say to you? Um, I'm just thinking of a psychology theory here that talks about the looking glass. So I think it's the looking glass theory where other people will reflect back to you what you're like. It generally happens in school playgrounds. But then we also get the phrases that people use with us and it's our inner talk, um, and, and this is our inner critical team. It's almost like a team. So when, when I'm talking to children in therapy, I, I quite often talk about, well, we have, we have people that are there to help us, and they're very nice, welcoming. Um, they always say positive things. They try to nurture. They try to take care. And then we have this other team, and this other team are the ones who tease us, who tell us we're no good at things, that tell us we're rubbish. And it's this particular aspect that I've noticed is the one that can be very, very quick to, to um, be integrated into a child's narrative about who they are in the world. Um, so, for example, I'm working with an adult and we were discussing... Uh, their, their schoolwork, actually. So one of the things that we, we sometimes do in therapy is we go back and we, we actually bring in stuff that we've done in the past. And this adult brought in um, their, I think it might have been, they were nine or ten. Um, so the, the thing that they were doing on a week and the teacher had written, there is absolutely no point. It's like pulling teeth trying to work with. And I looked at this piece of paper and me and the client had a conversation and I said, what was that like? And the client said, I never wrote a thing for that teacher after that. 
And this is one of the things that I wanted to say is actually when we do discount, dismiss, and we make our comments to children, sometimes done in and with the best of intentions to um, boost them, to get them to do a piece of homework, and this is where I'm going in a minute, to get them to come off devices and we give them the other D word, the diagnosis, um, whether it's psychopathological, um, the parent diagnosis or the actual um, mental health diagnosis, that actually what we do is we create that limiting belief for a child. And this is really, really difficult for children. And then what happens is they grow up with this particular belief. And the thing about beliefs is they then drive what you do, how you behave, um, where, where you think you're going. Um, and I'm just drawn to a, a phrase of, whilst I think, so I've just put my hands over my face while I'm just doing my thinking moment. It is, you cannot, you cannot talk yourself out of problems you behaved yourself into, right? So when clients are coming in and they're talking about some of what they've done and, and that they're actually talking about what they've done, actually I'm hearing about the beliefs that they've got. So this is sometimes why I get to do what I do. And what is that? Well, I play. I play. So I really kind of get in touch with the other team within this within this child or within this adult. And what we do is we talk about what's fun, where, where the fun went. Because actually, when you have limiting beliefs or when you have injunctions or when you have um, almost what we call self-fulfilling prophecies that you become that thing that you've been told that you are or you aren't, you aren't and that you can't and you don't and you won't and all the other kind of critical words that we use, what does happen is play gets left by the wayside. So more, more often than not, the children who are traumatised, the adults who have had a really tough, critical background, do not play. And if I was to talk about how they present, they're very, very adult, they're very sensible, they don't have this joyous part to their personality because it almost got stamped out. Um, Brene Brown talks about this, that the, the moment of shame that we all have in, in, all have, mostly have in our childhood, tends to be from a place of um, where we were told we couldn't do something and when, and basically when we were acting silly or stupid. But it's not silly or stupid, it's play. And play is how we learn. So obviously this is why I was um, spurred on by what Jim Quick was saying yesterday and I thought, oh my goodness, this is what I do as a job. So sometimes when I'm, I'm obviously doing the podcast, I forget that some of my listeners uh, and the viewers, you may not have this um, possibly awareness, you may not have this permission to be as daft as I am or as um, playful as I am. So this is about what can we do as a podcast so that I can bring in more learning to you about these cyber topics how can I make them fun? How can we have a, a play about with them? Uh, I think I tend to do this with Gary when I talk to him because um, we, we do play at silly, um, yeah, at being silly around the topics because we know they're so distressing at times. And quite often we will have that conversation before we record a, a podcast. And 
this is what I wanted to say. Some of these subjects will come across as though they're being, being very sensible or perhaps that you might think that I'm having a little bit too much of a, um, a joyous time and getting very giggly about some of the subjects. And that's because I give myself permission to know myself and to be able to do that. So back to play. So again, I tend to do this as well, don't I? I go off on a tangent and I come back. So what was I going to try and say earlier? Oh, it was playing. Playing on um, digital devices, digital media. One of the injunctions that's coming through into my therapy room at the moment is um, A, the addiction uh, injunction, but also this, um, you're useless, you can't play on that because X, Y, Z. So when parents are punitive with their children about their devices, and they separate them from their devices or separate them from their games. So I'm just thinking about um, computer games here. That also causes this level of injunctions. Um, and I thought that was, that was really, really interesting because there's something about if we can't do something, what effect does that have on us? If we can't play, so if we are the last child to be picked for... Um, some form of sports at school um so there's the the people who are adept good um competent you know we have lots of different words but basically uh, children will say in my therapy room they're the good kids they're the popular kids they're the ones who can i'm the one who can't and the reason i can't is because i'm rubbish um there is something about some children are using the the internet and space and and i've talked about this in my book that this is what some children are good at. This is what they can play at. And this is one of their versions of play. Um, so we have structured play. We have, um, so in my building here, I have imaginative play. I have a rocking chair that I use as a spaceship. It's been used as a boat. Um, it's been used as a, um, a, a place to run around in terms of one of the games that we were playing. Um, it's been used as a, almost a, a netball net because that's what we can do. Anything can be anything in this building. Um, and I have structured play, so I have the sand tray, um, which is where I can work through dream work, I can work through trauma. Um, and I was just thinking about what is it that stops people playing? And I think it's the I, I will be rejected moment. So the idea of I can't do that, and it becomes either an excuse, a reason, or something that prevents us from joining in on something. So for example, um, I might go to one of the conferences and it might be an evening where there's some music and I will get up to dance and there will be people who won't get up to dance. And I'm sometimes mm, yeah, curious, is that because they were um, mocked, teased, ridiculed, humiliated? Is it something they think they can't do? It, what do they tell themselves about this, I can't dance or I can't get up and enjoy myself? Um, and this was where I was thinking about, okay, so when, when we limit children's ability to use all of their brain, we actually limit who they are. Um, so over the last week, I've actually been teaching um, a couple of children and some adults about the brain. So I do it slightly differently to Jim Quick and a few other people. I, I, um, I've taken a little bit of Dan Siegel's work. I've taken um, 
Yeah, I've taken pretty much the, the neuroscience from the psychotherapy perspective. And what I do is I teach uh, about the brain. And I've actually applied this to the, the cyberspace. So I think recently I did an article for Ditto. Um, and if you don't know what Ditto is, you can go to Alan McKenzie's website, who I've spoken to before on here. Um, and he does a, um, a quarterly email that goes out to schools, to parents. And I talked about risk, why uh, adolescents take particular risks um, and I talked about it in, in pretty much in terms of how the brain works so when I'm teaching children I teach them that the brain is like a house and we talk about all the things that you would need in a house to make it work and why it would wouldn't work if all of the pieces weren't communicating with each other for example if only the light turned on upstairs when I switched to switch downstairs then that, that wouldn't quite work as you expected it to. It didn't mean that the lighting system was um, broken. It meant that it was not working in the way that you expected. Um, and we talk about um, that actually all of the lights work. You just need to know which switch it is to make them turn on um, and how you get the heating on. There is no point in having heating on in one room because the rest of the house is uh, cold. So what I'm trying to do is really explain to young children about something that's called differentiation. So this is about um, how the brain works and how the brain parts work together. Um, and, and you can make it really, really simple. So I think I've done uh, some, well, I know I've done some articles. I think they've gone to, I'm not sure if it was in Perot software, but anyway, you, you'll be able to find off my website because I am starting to put things in a bit more of a coherent manner for the new site when it goes live. Um, but the thing that isn't happening for a lot of children in terms of the internet, in terms of play, and in terms of what they are allowed to do, to think, to expand their knowledge, is critical thinking. So this is one of my favourite subjects to talk about because when we give children limiting beliefs or we tell them what to think, they don't learn how to think. So there is another element of we we leave children with a deficit and then we wonder why we don't play when we grow grow up when we age when we mature because the thing that keeps us human joyous connected is this this life force it's joy it's happiness it's play um and i get to do this as a job um so where i do bring quite a lot of doom and gloom in terms of the subject matters that i talk about in cyber synapse my job is to sit with the children who have been cyberbullied or groomed online or had a, a corporeal abuse. There, there is something about this is what I get to do. And I get to run around this building quite often dressed, dressed up with um, glitter, with, with items. And it's all about imagination and play. The children get to think what they need to think, but also how to think. So I, I talk to them about, well, why? Who said that? Is it the truth? Um, what would that mean if it wasn't true? How could you improve yourself? And then I thought, oh, my God, this is what I've been doing for the last probably four, five, no, eight years, actually, in terms of whilst I did training, I had to be in my own psychotherapy. I've done all sorts of courses. This is one of the reasons why I, I went down to Jim Quick yesterday. So I've done some of Jim Quick's courses. I've done some of the Mind Valley stuff. I've listened to Tim Ferriss, Tom Bilyeu, um, the Human Experience podcast, Rob Reed's podcast. Uh, and I just thought, actually, this is the other thing that happens. When 
yeah when i'm doing the podcast one of the things is, is i'm bringing in some of this information and i wondered how helpful it would be for you for me to put um resources in the show notes um and that's the reason i started the patreon pages because um if I'm going to go racking through all of my uh, paperwork, it will take me some time. But there is something about I can put the resources into Patreon. So for those of you that are interested, you can go over and as, as a subscriber, you can get hold of this information because it's all about self-growth. And as an adult, I've been doing this for some time. So, uh, for example, yesterday was London. This morning um, was Manchester for my supervision. I've got a... Um, a self-care strategy weekend that I'm on this weekend. I've got my, um, so I do flotation tanks. I go and see a bodywork therapist. I have a massage. I really take care of myself because that's the way that I'm able to be here doing the podcast, but also to be here for my clients. And I thought that there's this saturated market at the moment of, um, um, get yourself better, self-help, self-promotion. Um, and you know what? Some of it is absolute shit in terms of wasting your money and time. And I think one of the things that's been really, really helpful for me is it's taken me a long time to work out how to think about the things that I need to pay attention to. And what's important for me is my why. I ask everybody this question on the podcast each week, why do you do what you do? Well, I do what I do because I have some knowledge to share. And if I keep that knowledge to myself, that's really selfish. So as I go on and do um, my research at PhD and I go on and I do, um, so writing the second book is about passing that information on. There is something about, I don't want my work to be hidden behind a paywall that people can't get hold of. Um, there is, I, I take from a lot of other people. So yesterday, um, just by being around a, a hugely positive peer group, and it was really, really fantastic. One of the nicest days I've, I've had, um, around people, I've actually taken some energy from that. And I thought, okay, what do I do with this? So as I was sat, sat in the car and I was listening to, to something else, I thought, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the podcast myself today. And I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to talk about why, why I do what I do, which is because I'm passionate about the knowledge that I have about why we do what we do on, uh, on the internet, why we do what we do on consoles, on devices, how that's having an impact, and then how I can help you help the children, how I can help you help the adolescents, because that's, that's the remit of this podcast. Yes, I get to talk to lots and lots of um, fantastic people and other academics and people who are also passionate about their, their interests. But I could sit talking to these people via email. I could sit talking to them on uh, Zoom and, and keeping it all to myself. And then I thought, no. So I think it's a nearly, it's coming up to, uh, it will be nearly a year, um, August, September time. Yeah. And I thought, actually, this is what I want to keep doing while I'm doing my podcast. But I may, uh, well, I'm doing my PhD, but I may not be able to go at the same speed. Um, I've recognized that I do put a lot of time and effort into this. And rather than saying to people, you know, begging for time and for money, actually, there's something here about this knowledge is what I'm trying to share. And I think that it's important that I do share it with you because I think that gives you 
a whole set of tools similar to um, the, the cocktail party kind of where you have the, the champagne glasses. If I pass that information to another level, you can then become adept at helping the children who are around you. And this, this is a way that we can actually help children. So Jim Quick does what he's doing, which is teaching children how to learn. And I think it should be in all, all schools. Um, and I, I, it's an amazing job that he's doing. And, and I was just absolutely blown away by it yesterday in terms of that's what matters. That's what matters in terms of passion and putting, putting it out there. Um, and obviously I'm putting this out to the universe and it's going there. Um, so there's, there's a lot I want to achieve in terms of helping children. And the only way I can do that is by putting the podcast out there and some resources. But there also has to be, I don't know, help me with my stone soup is what I'm saying. Um, I, can, I can try and make this, this soup, but actually I need the help of the village. I need, I need other people to be part of a community. And essentially, that's what I'm, I'm saying this today's episode's about is, let's see if we can spread the word about this podcast. Let's see if we can make it much, much more um, enjoyable in terms of bringing, you know, at times really macabre topics to you because there are some to, to come, um, people that I've got to speak to. Um, but also, let's make this about helping children because at the moment there's a lot of diagnoses flying around and, and lots and lots of um, attributable, yeah, what do I want to call it? There's a, there's a lot of um, panic, but also a lot of disdain for the younger people. And they're our next generation. And to sit with the children I do, the reason there might be a lot of disdain for them is because they're sitting with these beliefs about themselves, which we as the older generation are actually causing. So this is about maybe our community needs to be looking at younger people in a different way and treating them as children not not um not dinosaur bones and jars with labels on um and, and and i will keep banging on about that because i think that actually if we could talk about what children are coping with today um so i'll just give you a little insight into my uh, my book and my thinking children are coping with two worlds where you or i i.e anybody over the age of 25 only ever had to manage one world and whether these worlds are virtual and corporeal, actually there's, there's a distinction about even if you're in the corporeal, the virtual one is one you're always having to manage in your mind. This is what I'm talking about. This is why children need to be allowed to be completely in charge of their own mind so that they can then manage what it is that they need to think about. And if we put limits on it, we actually create a very, very stifled space for thinking, feeling and doing. Um, I, know, I think that's, that's probably the end of um, where I'm going to go to today. Um, yeah, if you've got any kind of comments, um, please do let me know. As I said, this is about a community and I'm going to start making um, a, couple of, a couple of pages on Patreon where you can do resources. I've been looking into how to do it today, Googling around it what, on the way on the way back on the train this morning and yeah I think there's something here about I, if, if I can share as much of this as possible then I will do because I can't get it all into my book I can't get it all into the podcasts and during the week I get a limited amount of children that I can help 
So I'm asking for your help so that I can recruit you to help me to help the world. I think that'll do for this week. Okay. Uh, thank you for, for listening. Thank you for actually spending the time uh, getting to the end of these. I do know that um, uh, I, I do talk. Um, and that's part of, part of who I am. And I'm quite proud to be able to say that my thinking goes off on a tangent quite sometimes, but I do tend to keep track of it. Um, and I quite like that faculty. Um, yeah, in terms of Patreon, it's uh, for those that are listening, it's www.forward slash patreon.com forward slash cyber synapse. Uh, and it wasn't www.forward slash, don't know what I'm on about. <laughs> right. In terms of um, my website, it's going through an update at the moment and that will be out. There will also be resources and courses on that uh, later on in the year. Um, and obviously, follow me on social media. Uh, I keep Facebook for mostly friends, but Twitter and Instagram are where I tend to talk with people and put other posts out. And I also have a Facebook Live every Tuesday, 8 p.m. GMT, on my page, Cyber Trauma and Young People. So sign up over there. Please rate this podcast. Um, obviously, feedback is feedback. If you think it's worth one, put a one. If you think it's a five and you think it deserves other people to find it, please give it a rating of five. All you have to do is scroll down to the bottom of iTunes. There's a five star. Um, well, there's five stars. It's easier than eBay. Just click on the stars that you think it should be rated. The more of those that happen, the more it will be shared around. Um, and in terms of Jim Quick's thinking, uh, yeah, let's let's change these limiting beliefs and his phrases. If you fight for them, you get to keep them. I'm, I'm saying let's not dish them out in the first place where possible. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. <laughs>